I am Brother Cornell West, and this is If I Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. On this episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, Hip Hop Music Education, teaching hip hop music as music with Jarrett Shield. I'm Manny Faces. Let's go. The thing about hip hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love, everyone. We're back with another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, the podcast that examines ways that hip hop music and culture are contributing to humanity in innovative ways, improving lives, livelihoods, and communities across the country in areas including education, health and wellness, politics and activism, business and entrepreneurship, the fine arts, spirituality, and more. My name is Manny Faces, the creator, producer, and host of the show. I'm an independent journalist and scholar, content creator, public speaker, podcaster, and founder of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. For an amazing free newsletter highlighting stories of hip hop innovation and insight, or just to find out more about our work, please visit www.hiphopadvocacy.org and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at hiphopadvocacy. Now, part of the path that led me to hip hop was through my dad. He was a music lover, particularly jazz and blues. So I grew up with the sounds of B.B. King and Bo Diddley and Count Basie floating through the house at any given moment. As did others my age in and around New York City, I, I gravitated to hip hop. And when it became a big thing in the 80s and 90s, I remember having debates with my dad about the musicality of the genre. And he was a sociology professor too, smartest guy I've ever known. So it was a challenge. You could probably tell what side of the argument he was on. But as much as he knew, he still had a lot to learn about hip hop music and culture. I wasn't ready to teach him everything back then, though I tried. And while he's not with us anymore, much of my work advocating for hip hop over the years, my journalism, my lecturing, the nonprofit, this podcast, is still me just trying to explain things to my dad. So for this topic, I was thrilled to speak with Jarrett Shield. Jarrett's an assistant professor of music education at the Berklee College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. He's also a fifth-year doctoral candidate at Teachers College, Columbia University, in the Music and Music Education Department. He's a professional musician himself. He's toured the world. He's led youth ensembles in places like Jazz at Lincoln Center in New York City. 
He's currently at Berkeley and particularly interested in how hip-hop music, culture, and pedagogies should be applied in music education and teacher training. Jared co-founded the music resource website hiphopmusiced.com and is leader of a social media dialogue, hashtag hiphopmusiced. Here's my conversation with Jared Shiel. All right, Mr. Shiel, I appreciate you taking out the time to uh, kick it with me this uh, lovely afternoon. Been a long yes. time coming. Yeah, man, this is dope. I appreciate it. Let's get into it real quick. As many of us do, I know I do, I think you do as well. Uh, you wear many hats. Yes. So if you, if you could just introduce yourself, kind of describe how you present yourself from a professional standpoint. Well, first I would say I'm Jared. Secondly, um, I guess if I had to identify myself, I'd say I'm an educator who's a performer who likes to do research about popular music education and contemporary practices for school teachers. So kids can go into the world trying to learn about art music in a, a freer space. So I think that's kind of how I uh, identify. I also identify as an amateur DJ. All right. That's what's <laughs> um, I, I identify as a, a graphic artist. I did a little graffiti when I was younger. Nobody knew that. But <laughs> um, until now. Exclusive. But, uh, I, I draw. Yeah. yeah not, I'm not going to tell anybody what my tag is. <laughs> um, but I, I draw a lot. I, I do a lot of comicking at home. And my I draw stuff for my kid to color in. So like. I'm an artist and I'm a photographer. So, I mean, that's how I identify. A creative mix right there. Yeah, man. I'm uh, also a doctoral student, so a, a candidate in a, a really cool school called Teachers College. So I'm like, I'm also a frustrated creative. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can relate. I suspect a lot of people listening might as well. Now, let me ask you, there's, uh, there's hip hop, right? Yeah. And there's hip hop ed. And then yeah. there's hip hop music ed. Yeah. So explain if you could this kind of this offshoot of mixing hip hop with education that, that you've been involved in and, and, and what that's all about. Hip hop music, Ed. I'll tell you the history before I tell you what it is. In 2004, I took a class when I was going to Northern Illinois University for my master's in music and jazz studies. And I took a, a course, a pedagogy course, a research course. And when I took the course, I could have written about jazz stuff, which I was going to do at school. But I was like, nah, I want to do something different. I was an older student. And so I wanted to do a, a paper about hip hop and music education. I did a, a little scant, at the time, Google, <laughs> early stages of Google, 2006. I take the, you know, I, I look it up on Google Library, Google a Scholar. And um, very little knowledge was out there in music ed, but there was a lot in like other forms of education, science literature, even theater, but not anything. It was like maybe two articles, maybe four at the most. Whereas in every other field, it was like a hundred. So I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And so I wrote a research paper about it. Fast forward, I hadn't really been in a lot of hip hop bands, but I was a huge fan. As I graduated and I moved to another city, started getting really tied up in the, you know, like what is, people could consider hip hop music band kind of situation like roots bands a lot in the city I lived in Orlando. And so I, I, I found it like head on this experience. Very interesting. And so I went back and got my, you know, get my other master's in, in this PhD, this EDD program at teachers college. And so I did some more research and I ran into people like Chris Embin, who's one of the figureheads for hip hop ed. And I'd read Latina love and, 
a variety of other people who had written in that vein about how and why and, you know, what is used on Mark Lamont Hill and Greg Demetritus and all these other people, uh, Adam Cruz had written about things, but there wasn't a lot in the space of music ed. So, like, I started having these conversations on Twitter uh, with people, and then I hooked up with Adam Cruz, and he wanted to do this website, Hip Hop Music Ed, where it's a repository and resource for music educators, because that seems to be, like, the least free space to talk about hip hop, which is so weird, because it's the music that, I mean, and we study music, so you would think, you know. So explain um, that. Why, why is that so, why is it so empty in the music education space? Well, music education, and I'm sure somebody's going to get upset when I say this, but oh well, it's the truth, <laughs> is because, okay, because I'm a big fan of doing it. So because art is placed in this rarefied space, this commodified space in America, you know, somebody has to be in charge of what art and things influence us. And so mm. we are so still stuck on the Germanic European model of uh, aesthetics here in America, right. we can't get into our own love of ourselves, you know, let alone minority groups. Right. And hip hop is so black. Let's be just very truthful. Right, right. You cannot separate the body from the culture. They've tried it many times with other forms. We're just having a conversation about jazz. That's the most, you know, the one that's spoken about so much. Blues, R&B, so many varieties of things that, you know, have been co-opted, but because hip hop has been so entrenched in the black visual and it, it's associated with it. So you can't do it unless you're black. Right. Right. right, right. That's the thing people talk about. <laughs> right. So that makes it weird because music it, mm. it can be a very prickly space with people of color. Right. Duke Ellington, for Christ's sake, just became, you know, a standard norm because of the essentially Ellington program. Before that, man, that was like, that was only if your teacher knew. (laughs) Now everybody's like, oh, Duke Ellington is like, you know, one of the patriarchs of jazz. When I was a kid, people were talking about that all the time. That was like a, you know, a nascent name, even though it was, he's still always been the Titan. He is. Right, right. So now, now you have people that see a neoliberal artifact that they can kind of control and monetize, but they can't do it without the blackness. That's the truth because look at the economic, you know, when you look at uh, the people on the top of the charts and, and so it's like push the narrative of this monolith. And so like people in music ed don't want to deal with it because we can't really deal with race that well in music ed. And that's very apparent. I mean, somebody would be mad about what I, that I'm saying is, but as a student of color, anecdotally, I can tell you the amount of experiences, even on a historical black college, in which I really dug into the study of black music. And in every book, there's that one chapter about it, and it's like really skinny. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Which is right. like, come on, man. Like, you didn't even, you know, and it's always like the music of the diaspora. But then it only is a skinny little chapter. I'm like, you know how much music black people have done? Come on, you could write volumes of books about it. And so if we treat it like that in the research and the reporting and then on top of most of the teachers aren't coming from those black spaces, then there are people who are going to be less likely to deal with the subject in a like really humane and holistic way. And so I don't blame everybody. I just, that's why hip hop music is supposed to be there to enlighten people who really like want to know. Right. How do you guys do that with the the hip hop music? And obviously you have 
there's a website, there's some social yeah. media interaction and some programs and stuff. That you conferences guys are and yeah. yeah, we do symposiums and conferences and PDs. I know Adam does a lot of work up in uh, Illinois. Carla Becker, who's one of the founders, she does stuff in Delaware at Delaware State. And then Johan Soderman, who was one of the founders, he does a lot of that stuff previously and uh, all throughout Europe. I think he's at Gutenberg University. And there's many other people who do it because I don't want to just limit it to those names to say there's tons of people who are doing stuff in the space of hip hop music education. Right. Tons of people. I'm just speaking about the people I'm most closely tied to. I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's tons of people at NYU and people at Columbia and there's people at um, Temple and the uh, University of Georgia. I mean, there's people all over the country doing it. And then right. there's all of the people out really doing the work who are in the K through 12 schools. Right. I see that all the time. That's my jam, working with those people, because I want to make it so that every kid, if they want to or not, they get the opportunity. Right. And why is that opportunity so important? We know and I know that the people, you know, we might yeah. be preaching to the choir, but I'm always trying to bring yeah. in people. I'm always speaking to the outsiders who don't really get the, the nuances of hip hop music and culture. Matter of fact, they don't even recognize the culture part. They only recognize the music to a tiny degree based on what's on the radio, what they might have come across in a cursory manner. But they're in these education spaces or they're uh, gatekeepers or green lighters and they need to know. So what is that message that you try to get with just to cut like the most basic fundamental reasoning behind the importance for hip hop music education or hip hop being taught as, as music, a little bit also as a methodology to teach other things? But what's the importance of that? Why is that so important? That, that's a great question. I, I think the answer to that is, why do we do any of the other stuff? You know, that's that's kind of yep. the, the, the question I ask back. I go, what's the rationale between any of the other things that we've picked or chosen to showcase to the kids or the people that we're working with? And then when we get to the nitty gritty of that, most of it's based on epistemological like reasoning. Somebody right. said that this is the truth and knowledge. You don't really know why it is or if it is. Mm. There's tons of facts that have changed over history. Where right. we're like, oh, well, the earth is at the center of the, the universe. <laughs> right. And then it was, you know, the sun ro rotates around the earth. And then somebody said the earth is flat, which that's a new thing right now. You know. <laughs> right. So, right, I mean, retro. so it's, it's all right. <laughs> Going way back. Throwback, throwback Monday. Um, but like all of these facts, somebody later checked. And so my thing is, why do we have to wait mm. to check it? Because we know hip hop is a music and a culture. We know black people are part of the culture here in America. And so why don't we just do it justice and do it right the first time? Why do we have to come back 40 years later and go, Oh, that should have been included. Like, didn't we learn from it? Have we not learned anything? So <laughs> right. that's my first thing, because difference, uh, understanding differences is super important because right. we're not the same. That's a lie. We're all different. And it's a good thing. Right. There's nothing wrong with difference. If I bring in a narrative that you're uncomfortable with, guess what? That's how I felt studying classical music for 12 years of my life. Mm. Didn't represent who I was. It wasn't played on the you know, at home on the radio. It's not like it was, we were anti that, but right. I was listening to Stevie Wonder and, you know, Smokey Robinson and the Temptations and like Run DMC and, you know, that kind of stuff. So for me, I think it's another voice in the room. And if you don't like it, you should question why you don't like it. Mm. That's my thing because that's like the critical part of it is like, 
are we just doing social replication or are we like really doing fact finding missions to like, you know, what, what is the biggest conversation we had in the 20th century? Race. Right. And what's the biggest conversation we're having in the beginning of the 21st century? Race. Right. And so we do, these students know service by ducking and dodging from the thing that we are most uncomfortable by. Right. We're not doing them any favors. So, I mean, that's kind of how I come at it with, with teachers because the things I've done is like a DJ meetup, a study group. We, I did for like a year and a half um, in which, you know, we just sat down and talked about and we read stuff. We listened to music and we deciphered and we DJed a little bit and we made meaning around what is hip hop and how do we use it in our classes, you know? And so that's kind of where I'm at. And what I'm trying to do now is just like, engender people to study it and do it in a very like humane holistic way so that when you do it in your class you're not just doing a thing you're doing a long longitudinal study with kids about right. you know what does it mean to put odd things together and how do we fit it's very democratic right you know what i mean like and it encourages other things like creative thinking and problem solving and all the other things that you want a, a student yeah. to learn and you get it through these right. channels right you, well, you have to be a problem solver if you're a minority and you want to win. You, <laughs> right. wanna, you know what I mean? You have to be a critical thinker. That's why I'm like, whenever they do that educational talk stuff about right. grit and persistence, right. I'm like, they got like, look, they got receipts. Their grandparents were slaves. So right. what do you mean persist? Right. <laughs> what right. do you mean? Like, what do you mean problem solve? If he can get to school and he of lives course. like, <laughs> like, Come on, man. Like, yes, right. catch three trains in a, in a bus to get to school. <laughs> right. That's not problem solving. Like, right. so it's just acknowledging all the critical, great, good, gooey stuff that's in hip hop. So we don't have to use it just like, I'm DJing or I'm rapping. Like, that's really cool. But there's something deeper about hip hop. Right. Right. Past the entertainment. Right. It has to be deep. I mean, like, I work here at Berkeley College of Music. And one of the things I do to students that I'm so grateful to work with, he's really great, is like, so what, why are you choosing that? Not just the licks, but why are you choosing the piece? You know, um, and I'm like, no, no, no. Like, why? What does it say? What do these words say? So, like, let's get to it. Like, are you playing just because the melody's pretty? Right. Okay. Are you playing it because the, the lyrics are deep? All right. Do you really like, the, you know, the chord structure? What, what is it? Hmm. Why are you doing this? Not, just don't do it because it's on the list. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's right. something deeper about it. And I, I mean, they get that with a lot of the teachers. I'm sure they do because there's a really a lot of great teachers. But for me personally, I think there's something deeper about studying music. And if we're going to study something, let's study something that's challenging, that challenges, you know, the status quo because nobody's really doing it. That's the question. And that's what we're having these discussions here at Berkeley and a lot of other places about, like, how do you bring that into colleges? You yeah, know? for sure. Yeah, well, I want to amplify that, you know, as much as possible. I think that we have, again, the perceptions that have to be pushed back against so often. I, my dad was a jazz and blues head and he played you know, a lot of vinyl. I got a big vinyl collection from him. You know, I listened That's to all, you know, all this stuff back in the days, doo-wop stuff. And then we yeah. used to have these arguments about hip hop's musicality, right? About whether this <laughs> melody or not, you know, that kind of, because of course his exposure was, you know, maybe Run DMC, which, okay, I get, you might not think that there's a, you know, a big musical factor. There's a lot of hard hitting drums and grittiness and such. But obviously we're talking in the nineties when A Tribe Called Quest was out and Guru was doing Jazzmatazz. And there's a whole bunch yeah. of things where I could point and say, no, 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 
you can't say that hip hop is non melodic if we're sampling things that have melodies. You know, yeah. but even now we've expanded past that because a lot of the and I don't mean some of the simplistic stuff on the radio, but there's a great range of musicality, I guess is the right word, in hip hop music in the whole the genre past what's on the radio, past the mainstream stuff. And 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 that's still hard to convince people, I think. Yes. I mean, and I totally get what you're saying, so I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just like, yeah. but why? I'm right. always no, like, I agree. I agree. What? Why is it no, so hard? No, no. Yeah, I agree. I'm just saying, like, but why do you feel that? Because I'm like, what have you heard? Are you talking about a old town road? And and right. even that, like, there's a melody in there. Like, what sure. do you mean? Like, I think these are people who were, who were born in the 20s. I don't know. Like, maybe they were, <laughs> maybe they're affected by a bridge. Right. And I get that. I love Stevie Wonder. Every Stevie Wonder tune has a bridge or two or three other parts. Right. It's not familiar. Right. And if, if you're looking for that in hip hop, then that's the whole, that goes somewhat against the premise of hip hop. It's a space in which it's like a repetitive, iterative space so that you are able to get out what you want to say or do. If it's constantly changing, that's already the experience of majority of the people who are rapping about the stuff because they want to be in a homeostasis space, a comfort space where they can do and say anything. You, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, it's so deep. Right. I would say people always complain, especially how, you know, the old head versus new head argument. I said, you're trying yeah. to put something in a box which inherently can't be put in a box. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if you're trying to compare hip-hop to jazz, you get this, it's not jazz. Like, <laughs> right. Stop, right. don't do that. Like, if you, <laughs> right. if you try to uh, compare funk to jazz, guess what? Don't do that either. Right. And that would, that's a, not a good uh, argument. You're going to lose. So they're all different. But they're, watch this. They're all interconnected. And this is when all the old heads get mad at me. And I was like, well, you know, hip-hop is a child of jazz. They're like, what? And I'm like, look, man, isn't all this music out of the black experience or partly at least? And they go, yeah. And then when they say that, I'm like, so is hip hop not black music? A lot of the architects, bro. And they go, yeah. And I'm like, well, then I think we're done with the conversation. <laughs> like, right. that's it. They're interconnected. It's just not, we're not Martians. Right. You know, when Ben Bott and all of them and like her, they were all children of the same black melanin bodies that mm. came over from Africa. And so they're all interconnected in a way. And it's not a magical way either. It's right. like really straightforward. You can like look it up. You can Google it. So <laughs> right. it's not like we're making this stuff up. And so that's kind of partially like when you're talking to these people, especially teachers and people about convincing them, you like, you know, I have to, I cannot be overly dramatic. Right. You know what I mean? Like with right. my presentation of this, because I, I don't want to sell them. I don't know if you ever watched or listened to the, the Music Man. It's a, a theater piece. Uh, the Music oh. Man is uh, a, a guy that goes around and uh, sells band instruments in the turn of the century in America, kind of like pulling the rug over people's eyes and like right. selling them on the idea. And I'm like, I don't do that. You know, like, right. and it's a great play. It's a great musical play. But like when I'm working with the kids or working with the teachers, I had to just come. That's why I picked up the DJ stuff. Because right. I just kind of wanted to like be authentic. Like I'm not an MC. I'm not. I'm not a rapper. I do think it's really dope. But right. something about doing the turntables that was really exciting to me, and I was like, I'm gonna pick that up as my lens. So like when I'm going there, I'm not gonna go hip hop is this and pick take out my trumpet. Right. I'm gonna go hip hop is this. Here's right. some turntables. And that's and, and even so, that even like not even pulling out the microphone and and rapping, which again most people who are outside of the culture and the family. 
they think that that's kind of it. I, I, I talk to people outside to try to get their perspectives. I remember when someone telling me, um, you know, I used to love breakdancing. That was fun. And I'm like, well, it's not it's not dead. It's not gone. Like, you know what I mean? They, they just believe right. that that's, they don't exist anymore. And all we have is rap. So I, I yeah. like that. That's a that's an angle that you uh, that you push. Shouts to uh, yeah. uh, Radar Ellis oh, 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 up there too, right? Right, and Radar yeah. is super dope with what he does, and like yeah. so. I mean, he inspired me a lot. Yeah, you know, because he's like one of the foundational people in schools in a university setting, really doing turntablism. Are there other people? Yes, but like Radar's been doing it for a minute. Yeah, yeah, no, and no, he's killing. Right. You know, and he does a lot of stuff with Newmark. <laughs> Yeah, there's like lots of other really dope people that are doing the work. That's why I try to have the, the dialogue online because the hashtag, it wasn't about me or anybody else. It was just really like, if you're doing it, tag it so we can know, so we can check it out. Yeah, for sure. Each one, that each was, one right? Even which, yeah, yeah. That's right. Let me ask you, um, when it comes to yeah. students that you work with and, and you're getting these concepts across to them, because I know like we could talk about convincing the establishment, blah, 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 mm-hmm. but. Like you say, the receipts come from working with young people or not not even tiny young people, but, you know, y- younger people, students. Yeah. And, and and the work usually speaks to itself. I mean, that's how I found, you know, most of the hip hop educators or hip hop based educators I talk with that they say, look, we could try to convince you. But when you see it, everyone's, you know, one over. You see it work from your experiences, just to get a, an idea of the kind of stuff you do. Do you have like some like milestone moments where you had a, a student or somebody you're trying to get across to that don't maybe doesn't quite get the whole thing you're trying to put across or you really find a, someone who really excelled at picking up what you were putting down. Does anything come to mind like a, oh, a, yeah, a man. case study? Was, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, so there, there was a case study. I would One of my former students I taught at a charter high school up in Marble Hill, which if you don't know, that's the Bronx, but it's really Manhattan. It's on the other side of the Harlem uh, River right. um, where the the Hudson River cuts Manhattan and the Bronx off. Right, so it was right. right there at Broadway, basically. So I taught at this school. And when I was there, I really started getting into the, into the DJ stuff. And because the school waited, and this is a truth, so I'm not making this up. School, <laughs> I, I had to try to tell them to order all the instruments because they didn't have a music program before the, me that they needed to order the instruments before school started. And they didn't. And so for the first eight weeks of school, I had no instruments in classes that were filled with like 30 kids. And so it was so awesome. <laughs> Not. And so like the third <laughs> or fourth day, I was like, F this. I'm going to bring my turntables in and I'm going to connect it to the projector. And I'm, we're going to do a couple weeks on DJ and hip hop. Okay. Easy. Do some activities, creation, collage whatever. I mean, it worked for a little while. I mean, still, and then people were like, you should do worksheets. And I'm like, what? The music class, just get instruments. So (laughs) out of that class, there was a singer by the name of Ramin Jackson. Okay. And Ramin graduated. He's a great guy. He's got kids. I love him. Him and his uh, daughter and his girlfriend. They were both of my students. And Mm -hmm. um, he's a professional DJ now, but then I was leaving at the end of the day and he, he was like, so mister, you made money DJing the other day? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, how much did you make? And I was like, well, that's an interesting question. But I was like, you know, these this are kids from the Bronx. So I'm just like, you know, you knew where I lived. We talked many times. Right. And they're very truthful, you know, just straightforward. So sure. I was like, well, I made like $400. How long did you work? I was like, maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you made $400 for working two hours? And I was like, yep. And he was like, can you show me how to do that? And I was like, <laughs> I was waiting for you to ask. Hmm. So... I showed him a couple, you know, rudimentary things. 
and we talked through a lot of stuff. I showed him a lot of videos. Um, we would practice during his lunchtime. And then, like, I saw he really wanted it. So he bought a laptop and I gave him my turntables, my little digital mixer. And I bought right. a new one. And then he got good at that. And then he bought it with some really nice turntables. And so he became a professional DJ before he graduated high school. And this mm. is a kid who's, you know, uh, on his own. He was on his own, living on his own, man. Like, literally, my on his own. For me to see somebody so interested in something always negates all of the conversation about, you know, minorities in inner cities or achievement gaps because the kid was super smart. He right. just was, like most kids, not interested in school. Like, you're not doing stuff yeah. I want to do. I want to yeah. make money doing it right. And it's like, and he has to know about signal flow. He had to understand the mixer board, had to show him that. And like, he knows all the terminology. He knows he's one of those kids that you'll give him a prom. He'll like go watch all the videos all night long right. and come back the next day and have everything figured out and tell you the names of the board. He'll mm. tell you like, you don't want to turn it to this frequency because it'll feedback. And like, mm. so for me, it was just a really great opportunity. And it was uh, to place it in concrete terms. A lot of the stuff we do in education falls flat because we try to make abstract stuff more abstract. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. well, the right. philosophy is blah, blah, blah. And they say, like, well, the philosophy, and then we give them some weird abstract, <laughs> you know, thing. And I'm like, no, no, no. Place it into real world terms. It's a concrete thing. So that's what Dewey would say. It's like, it's all in the doing, right? And so, yeah. right. So, it was and like, it's meeting them where they're at, right? The whole culturally relevant right. connections and all that, because this is right. the, you know, it's not foreign to them. No, it's no. very foreign to us. Yeah, and it's very familiar and it's very comforting. And like you say, you can learn twenty things. It's not just DJing for the sake of DJing. You learn all these other things. It's like, yeah, every, even everyone look. Everyone wants to be a rapper. Everyone tries rapping, right? But when right. you try to rap, you learn some things about. English yeah. <laughs> and like wordplay, right? You know, and and, and if someone rhyming. points, right? And if someone points out to you the literary devices that you happen to be using, you know, then you you learn something from it. You know, there's plenty right. of programs that that integrate rap that way as well. But it's not just I learn how to rap, right? It's transfer of learning. That's yeah. what the old people used to tell me is like, well, you know, did you learn something from that experience? And I would say no, and they were like, what do you mean you didn't? I can tell you four things you should have learned. And then I was like, oh, you're right. So it's like connecting those dots funny, from that it, one thing to your life or your life to this one thing, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. I just I, I just go back to something I, in my experience in my life. But you know that it's okay. The colleges will say, oh, you want to get credits for experiential learning? Sure, just pay us and we'll give you credits if you could prove yeah. that you learned this thing going through life, you know? Right. But then they're the right. same ones who are hesitant about welcoming these kind of culturally tinged ways of learning. What difference does it make? If we learn right. the thing, we learn right. the thing. Right. So it's right. just like somebody has to be a, sometimes, I don't know all <laughs> the time, somebody has to be the key master, you know, the gatekeeper for that. Because right. it's like, I don't know if we should give you credit. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You, you don't know. Right. It, where's the rubric? Just show me the rubric. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll point to where it qualifies. Interesting. Absolutely. Say thumbs up. Absolutely. I now I respect, and obviously we we know that. I talk to a lot of people, uh, hip hop educator types. And we're using you this talk story. to a lot of people. I talk to some people, and I, I ask this question because I don't. Oh, I know how important it is, and I think that the urgency and the importance is is there when they say, "Well, you know, teaching subject matter through hip hop or teaching hip hop as music," because those are two ways that hip hop can be 
integrated with education, right? As a, as a tool for learning uh, and as a subject of, I guess, right? This is where I would add another one. There's a product thing you could do, right? Mm. And then it's connecting the dots between things. Mm. And then also I look at it as a, a way of teaching. Okay. I think those are the three that are most reported, like, you know, pedagogical and the practice and some type of social context or something like that. Right. Um, I think those are the most commonly used ones or thought about, or I also look at it as a way of knowing the world. Well, yeah. And that's what I wanted to get to. I wanted to ask yeah. about how you think, again, I think the priority is that when you talk about minority communities, black and brown communities that don't have access to the educational advantages that other communities do. And when you say that a lot of times the educational system uh, doesn't favor them in a, in a culturally relevant manner, right? Yeah. Um, so everyone looks at that and say, great, these are great tools. These are great methods. These are great ways, pedagogical, all the ways to uh, help out or to improve schooling for these minority communities. But of yeah. course, I think there's also some universal appeal when it comes to hip hop. And you yeah. talk about it as a way of using it to understand other people's perspectives and other people's point of view. And I've talked to mm-hmm. people who teach in white college, you know, majority white colleges, and they teach sociology of hip hop courses. And they say that there's value in that. You would agree to that? For me, as a practitioner, I support any authentic use of hip hop. If they're authentic or not, I can't judge from here. I right. have to like go see it. Right. So right. That, would be, that would, you know, I'm just saying, like, I understand that. I mean, Right, because there's sorry. some of that, let, let's not get it twisted, there's some of yeah. that in academic circles where it's more of oh, the, yeah. the gim- I don't want to say gimmicky, that's kind of, under- I mean, I, no, but it could be inauthentic. That's in the right word. Okay. No, that is enough. the totally right word. I'm trying to be diplomatic, wanna... but you know. No, but that is diplomatic <laughs> because you were just naming yeah. it what it is, which, you know, was like, it's it's a, a gimmick, you right. know, where people go, I'll just use it to do this thing, but like, they don't understand it. And like, so yeah. that's a gimmick. Yeah. That's, tool. you know how to use tools. Right, so right. I don't even have to understand a hammer. Right. I know how a hammer works. I've studied a hammer. So right. I know you, how to you could also You could also bust someone's thumb if you're not using right. it right. <laughs> right, because you don't know a hammer. Right. If you knew a hammer, then you wouldn't be swinging it around somebody's hand. Right. If you know how to use the tool, then you know the purpose of the tool and how it should and shouldn't be used. And so I think that's the thing. People, when you're, when you're doing a gimmick, you don't know how it should be used, and then you do it in these really... Uh, misinformed ways and you hurt people. Right. Um, but, authentic, but when done authentically, it is something that does have a universal appeal. Of uh, course. Right, yeah, right. it's just because, you know, look, I like all types of music. I don't care what community comes out as long as it's good. Right. And, and like I said, there's a lot of ways to connect the dots between communities, right. between, you know, cultural perspectives through music. I mean, it's always been done, not just through hip hop, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But hip hop right. is, is really well suited for it because it is yeah. so expressive. Super, super expressive. I think, well, one, because it's the most listened to music in the world right now. For sure. Two, it's everywhere on TV, movies. It's changed how America's dressed. It is a global force. Again, to go back to the, you know, abstract. There's some, like, really pragmatic reasons why we will use it. And right. so when, when you bring it up, it's like, well, that's kind of, you know, it's popular. I'm like, yeah. So why wouldn't you use <laughs> Popular, like, I don't want like, <laughs> Right. What is it for this, like, morbid obsession with classical stuff? Like, I'm right. like, I don't get it. That, that uh, you know, proverbial resistance to change, I suppose. You know, it, it's it's like, well, let's not use the internet then. Right. We're, we're all, <laughs> are we all Luddites? Like, what is that? Like, we're afraid <laughs> right. of technology? Like, no. Well, we'll, we'll segue that into this. So 
as we wrap it up. You know, th- these conversations I'm having, I'm hoping to incite more of these kind of conversations, more of those perspectives. I would love more to have more of them with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, great. absolutely. And and I hope people listen to it. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm, my interest is bringing in people outside of the, you know, as much as possible so that y'all could do the work and not have to market yourselves so much. <laughs> you Word. know what I mean? Hey, that's man, the, that's, I, that's I my job. I appreciate um, you, man. I appreciate the appreciation. Now, the name of this podcast is Hip Hop Can Save America. Uh, yeah. And it and it might be kind of a lofty theory, uh, but I do ask folks like you, you know, yourself who've been involved in, in these movements, what are the best reasons to consider hip hop music and culture when looking for ways to truly improve lives and, and livelihoods and communities in this country? Oh, that's a that's a big one. I think if we had to look at reasons just for the sake of understanding difference and giving voice to the voiceless and the concept of power to the powerless and how it talks about agency and how it is agency, how it just talks about rallying for your community and repping your hood um, without saying everybody else must go. Hmm. You know, it just, it really argues for inclusion. And um, I think a lot of it right now, America just has to be real with itself, too. That's, I think, another rationale and say that understanding ourselves involves listening to one another and that if we're really trying to move toward a more inclusive space, um, one of the easiest ways of doing this is including hip-hop and a lot of other musics into our space. I think hip hop's rationale is not to only bring it. It's like you have to bring all my boys with me too. Right. And I, I think that's the wonderful thing. That's the little great thing about Lil Nas X was that country, I don't know who that represents, you know, who that is, that person or whatever, mm. but country could gain so much with hip hop because think about it, it's like we can all make money. We can all be creators. We can all be relevant. And we're just trying to like cross into new spaces to not take over and destroy, but to like enhance. Right. And I think that's great. And it can happen in really organic ways. And I think that's a lesson for us as people. That same thing, which is it can all be great. You know, mm. we don't have to exclude anybody. We can include each other. I think that's just one of like the really beautiful lessons from hip hop. Just look at all the elements that you don't think should belong together, but they work. Look at all the the people that you're like, shouldn't be mega hit stars, but they are because the power of their message, or at least their messaging or their art or their music or any of those things. So I just think we can learn a lot by looking at hip hop indifference because hip hop is so big. You right. know, it's so many different types. It's like the black, there's no black monolith. Right. And there's no hip hop monolith. There's so many different types of hip hop right now. That's right. That's right. It, you I, know, I tell I, people anything you want, you, yeah. know, you can find it. Like it's being done. Someone's doing it and doing it well. And it may not always be on the you know, tip of the iceberg. You might have to dig a little, but you'll find a lot of inspiration from all across that, that spectrum. Is, I don't think there's anything. I personally, you might agree, but I don't think there's yeah. anything that's been that vast in terms of creativity, like, except the, the written word, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it was a uh it was what they would call I think a turn, you mm. know, like mm. you know an aesthetic turn, and I I think that's really awesome. I mean, like right now, uh, I'm learning in Boston is this like dope hip hop scene, and so yeah. this guy named Cliff Notes, I started playing with him, this band, and I I see this scene at the Strand Theater the other night down here in Dorchester, and there's like a healthy scene here of music I've never heard of artists. I'm like, who are they? Right. They're dope. And so I mean like and but they all look different. Right. None of them right. like there's women and <laughs> yeah. weird is just like is uh Japanese dudes and there's all kinds of people involved in the scene. It's not all like black people. Hundred percent I've been covering I've been covering New York hip hop for over ten years. I like I'd say the same thing. You can't tell right. I whatever you want, I'll find it. It's here. It happens. Ooh. And then there'll be stuff you don't even think exists and you walk in on a random place and you find it. So right. but but yeah. you know, people get twisted by, you know, the commercial view sure. of what that stuff is. So they just think, Oh, it's just this. But in right. actuality, it's so much more. We only just look at one little part of it. Yeah. Which that's my thing to teachers is when they Say, I, you know, I don't know where to start. I'm like, well, pick a tune. If you don't like it, go to the next one. There's plenty of, <laughs> there's plenty of like listening lists. They're called the billboard charts. So let's go to any year <laughs> right. and select hip hop, R&B, and sure. look for the top hits. And then if you don't like that, go to the next year, the next month. Like, it's super easy, man. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't have to put it into it. Do I have to put it in a book? I think, I mean, it's real, but I mean, that's what I do in my work. Because right. people want you to just, give them a thing to read, but then like it puts that out of context. Right. You got to right. do some of the work, you know, and that's no, I think, of- I think you're doing the work and that's why I wanted to talk to you and, and, and get this kind of on the record. I draw inspiration from folks like yourself. Uh, I know that we all, like you said, we all teach each other a little bit and we all, I think, draw inspiration from one another. So I respect you for your work and how you not only do the work, but spread the word about the work, you know, you and your cohorts at the hip hop music ed collective you have. Um, yeah, I respect y'all, man. I, I enjoy learning from the things you guys share and put out. I, I'm going to ask everybody to do the same. We'll definitely give them uh, uh, the places to go to find you guys. And if there's anything else you want to say to kind of just send it out to the universe, the floor is yours. Sure. I want to shout out to uh, all the kids that might listen to this that are in high school somewhere, young adults in college. I just want to let you know that you can study any and everything that you want. And music and hip hop is one of them. And it's one of the ways that you can know the world. Uh, if you want to be a hip hop musician, you can make tons of money and you can survive in the world. If you want to be a producer or a beat maker, that's dope. You can be a hip hop philosopher. Any of those things can exist. And I just want you to know you, you be your authentic self. You don't have to be any color. You just have to be yourself and tell your story. I think that's really what matters the most. And for the people who are out there doing the work, hey, be safe. Find some cohorts of friends. Do the work. There's tons of people I like to work with. Tony Blackman, and I've worked with uh, Chris Emden before, Bettina Love. And I think you have to find people that support you and will tell you truths and so that you can be uh, not just only successful academically or professionally, but in life. So hang in there. That's what's up. Well said, my friend. Thank you for doing this show. I appreciate it, man. And thank you. I'm glad we finally got it to, you know, got the chance to link up. Yes. All right, brother. Thank you again. All right. Peace. All right. Peace. All right. That's it for this episode. Thanks once again for taking the time to listen to the world's smartest hip hop podcast. 
Now, if you're listening to this on the website or anywhere else, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast using your favorite podcast app and that you rate us, review us, and share us with anyone you think would dig what we do. Hip Hop Can Save America is brought to you by the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy, dedicated to preserving, protecting, and promoting the ability of hip hop music, culture, and spirit to improve humanity, fight injustice, innovate industries, and save lives. If you have a product, service, or story you want to get out to a rapidly growing audience of people just like you, you can sponsor this podcast. The organization also accepts tax-deductible donations to help make these podcasts and our other work possible. Visit hiphopadvocacy.org to learn more, contact us, or contribute. Hip Hop Can Save America is produced by me through the award-winning podcast and audio journalism production studio, Manny Faces Media, producers of acclaimed social justice journalism podcast, Newsbeat, as well as several other shows from across the worlds of business, marketing, culture, and more. Visit Manny Faces Media at mannyfacesmedia.com. And once again, I'm Manny Faces. Follow me on Twitter at Manny Faces or Instagram at Manny Faces NY. And we'll be back soon with Hip Hop Can Save America. Until then, I'm wishing you peace love, and unity. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip-hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com, filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.